1: fit for a queen. Welcome back, queens. We have Dr. Ellie Summers is a licensed physical therapist with us. She's also a run coach and the owner of Sisu Sports Performance and PT in Seattle, Washington, where she works to empower female athletes to get them back to the activities they love. She believes in transparency and autonomy for her clients and works to foster a sense of resilience and hope in the recovery process. She's actively seeking to defy gender limitations and biases in healthcare and fitness. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, great. Ellie, can you first tell us a little bit more about your journey into physical therapy and why you wanted to focus on working with female athletes specifically?
2: Yeah, Uh, so I wanted to become a physical therapist after I had a serious injury in high school. Um, I tore my ACL playing soccer. And after you go through an experience like that where you're doing rehab for what feels like forever, You sort of realize that it's a pretty sweet profession to be in. So I decided that I wanted to be a PT straight out of the gates and went to college. It was a direct entry program. So, um, like, I got accepted as a freshman into the program, and you just go straight through and you get your master's. And then I finished my doctorate after that. Um, And then working as a PT, you know, I've been in outpatient orthopedics and sports medicine pretty much the entire time that I've been a physical therapist, uh, but really started focusing on work with female athletes about two two years ago when I started my practice. And part of the reason that I did that was I started to see just the differences between how I was managing um, male athletes versus female athletes, and then you know, with kind of, I don't want to get political or anything, but with all the political stuff happening too, I just was more aware of some of those biases Mm -hmm. um, and felt like I had an opportunity to make a difference in a more positive way than I was. Um, So there, that, that was part of it. And then some of the learning that I've done throughout the years as well has made me realize like that the way that I want to be managing women is um, I want it to be a more positive experience than a negative one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I originally found you like through your social media and then I read your blog post titled confessions. You're really one that's kind of um, identifying these myths and stereotypes in, in terms of like the female athlete. And I loved your honesty. Can you talk a little bit about what you address in that post and um, how the medical system or healthcare practitioners have done a disservice to the recovery of the female athlete.
2: Yeah. So that post came up for me because I was just having all of these feelings about how I practice now. And it really stems from kind of this biomedical model is what I would call it. And the biomedical model is basically like treating humans like machines. And um, that that sort of language and messaging is rampant in our culture. And over the years, I used to practice that way too. And so uh, what I wanted to do was just demonstrate basically where I was many years ago as a physical therapist and where I've come. Um, and so I don't even know how to describe it, but it basically was talking about things that I used to say to people and females in particular um, and things that I used to tell them as to why they were having pain and injury uh, that we now know are actually really harmful to athletes. Mm. And that would be that would be things like saying, you know, you have wide hips and that's why you have knee pain. And um, now that I feel like Sounds stupid, but I feel kind of woke in a sense. And now that I feel woke, I can see it still everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I hear it from the clients that I see. You know, they're coming to me being like, you know, five years ago, I was told that because I have wide hips, that's why I have knee pain, or because my knees um, are turned inward, that's why I have foot pain, whatever it is. It's all of these sort of biomedical descriptions as to why people have pain that we now know pretty confidently through the science of pain that, that they're not accurate um, and that we need to be treating people as human beings and really getting a holistic picture as to why they're experiencing pain or maybe why they had injury.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, I never yeah. really thought about it of that, of, like, hearing that statement of I am in pain or I have an injury because mm, I'm a female. Like, that's what you're telling yeah, me. You're, really. Your body's to be yeah. in pain or, all the time. Or I'm yeah. weaker, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah,
2: that's where those, like, subtle gender biases come into play is, like, we sort of have this language around women to be kind of gentle and, um, you know, we almost... I was almost taught like and maybe this was just gender bias as well to treat women as a little bit more fragile.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so you use language that makes them feel fragile. And we know that that language is harmful. And now, now that I work really pr- pretty much solely with women, <laughs> I just, I hear these stories from them all the time that, you know, they were told they're weak. Even even telling a woman she's weak um, can be really, really damaging to her experience in her body and her experience in her sport or activity. So uh, with that particular blog, I really just wanted to highlight kind of the perspective of the physical therapist and help draw attention to the fact that these things are harmful um, these things that I learned from my mentors from school, they are legitimately harmful, and we know that now. And I wanted to like get it out and say I've been there, but I'm changing, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm evolving, and I'm trying to be better.
1: No, I think that's such again honesty. And I'm like, man, I haven't been doing this the way I should, uh-huh. and I've learned differently. Yeah. And yeah, well, how does that look like? I guess in practice for you of changing some of like how you work with a female athlete.
2: Yeah, so that's a really great question. Um, It's almost hard for me to capture, but I think what is most important for me is when I get get a person in my door and when they've taken it upon themselves to um, tell me that they're going to trust me with their care, that I give them a space to express their frustrations. And so they feel heard, and they feel seen, and they feel validated. I think that is a piece of medicine that has been missed. Uh, It's one that I didn't really learn very well until, you know, after being a therapist for 10 years, you start to learn some of these skills a little bit better. Um, But I think that there is so often these moments where women don't realize that they can speak up with their care, that if a provider says something to them that doesn't make them feel good, it doesn't make them feel empowered or even just, strong that they're allowed to speak up, that they're allowed to say, no, that's not, that's not right for me. I want to find a different provider. Um, I think we've, we've managed through the biomedical system to take away a lot of the autonomy that women need to get better and to feel
0: good in their bodies. You know, it's such a, in the therapy world, we talk about fit, you know, like you want to make sure that you have a good relationship with your therapist, with your dietitian, and I tore my ACL in high school, and I can remember the difference when I would be going in, and it would be this physical therapist when I was working with, mm-hmm. but I would almost beg and ask. There was another one that um, she had graduated from Drake and played basketball in college, so immediately we had that connection because that was my sport, and she wouldn't just talk about what we were doing for rehab. She would talk about, like... Why you needed this for when you get back on the court, and what to expect, mm-hmm. and how she had recovered from an injur- injury, and how much of it was mental, and what things. So she tied it in to me as an individual, not just an ACL rehab. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
2: is that is exactly
0: what what I want. Um, but almost to take it to
2: a deeper level, I want. The athletes that I see to know that they are in charge, mm-hmm. uh, and that is when you have pain or when you've had an injury, you and you rely on other people to kind of tell you what to do and to tell you, you know, what the right way is. And the people that I see now are often the people that have seen multiple therapists and multiple people, and they're just struggling to break free from like the system. And sometimes you just need to give an athlete permission to say like, you're, you're in charge of your body. You own your space. You decide what's okay for you or not. Um, You know, I even take it as so far as to say like, look, you know, a lot of therapists, they want to say you have to do all of these exercises every day in order to get better. I'm never going to say that to an athlete. I'm going to say I want you to get curious. I want you to explore the movements that work. I'll give you some options and ideas and we'll we'll find a path that's going to work for you mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a path that really that I create. I'm just going to help like lead a person down that path.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, i love that yeah. much more empowering yeah right? and probably more likely that they'll follow through
0: that's <laughs> kind of how we yeah. approach yeah, yeah, yeah. eating yeah. disorders so uh, uh, it's pretty similar yeah. love it but never yeah. heard of in physical therapy yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah it turns out there's actually good science to support that type of t- technique of there <laughs> <is. Yeah>. motivational <laughs> interviewing yeah.
0: Of, yeah
1: exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I noticed is kind of your theory around pain and the notion, well, we, that it's bad and we should avoid it. Tell us your take on pain and its part in recovery from an injury.
2: Yeah. So pain, pain is, in it's, it's ridiculously complex. It's, um, very individualistic. Uh, I, because of my journey learning about pain, so, um I didn't really start digging deep on what pain was until maybe about 4 or 5 years ago when I was working with a 12-year-old girl who had chronic pain and I couldn't make oh. sense of it like it just made no sense and so I started digging into some of the literature and there was a lot of good stuff that I had never even heard of in school um and this process of learning about pain has made me feel uh, less nervous about pain. Mm. And the reasons are because we know that pain, pain itself, it's not dangerous. Um, you know, I'll I'll sometimes say to people who are really nervous just about pain that I have not yet knock on wood heard of anybody who's died from a pain attack. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) what's, what's tough about it is there's a lot of fear from my clients about pain. And that's understandable. Um, I used to be afraid of pain too. You know, I used to want to like rub it out and zap it out and (laughs) like just extract it from people's bodies basically. Um, but the reality is that pain, pain is nuanced and it's something that all normal human beings have. And, to me, it's less about like trying to zap pain out of your body and more about trying to figure out ways that we can give you confidence that you're going to be okay moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pain as a whole system is like, God, we could dig into the weeds on that, and I don't know if I'd be the best person to talk to, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it's it's not as threatening to me anymore, and I think that has given me power to... Uh, help people and help demonstrate that they're going to be okay. And also that they, they can draw the lines with pain. You know, a lot of people are told, you know, if you have pain with this activity, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that that's actually kind of terrible advice and our behaviors will influence how much pain we have. So if you're, you know, if let's, we'll use running as a good example. If you just, if you stop running for a little while and you try running again, a lot of people will continue to have pain because they're like stopping and starting, stopping and starting. And consistency with any activity is going to help build up your tissues and build up your tolerance to that activity. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's just about like what your comfort zone is, trying to stay consistent with something, getting the reassurance that you need from a good provider, um, and sort of carving your path in a way that you feel good about Mm
0: -hmm. on the flip side though. Can you ever ignore pain that could be an injury that's brewing or an injury that's already occurred? Yeah. So there
2: are times most certainly where, um, you know, if you, if you maybe ignore it too much, you might lead yourself down a more negative path. Um, one of the best examples that I have right now is in my head, like a stress fracture Mm -hmm. or a stress reaction. For a runner, we know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. for a runner, we know that if you continue to run on a stress fracture, um, probably not heading down a good path, but on top of that, typically speaking, a stress fracture is going to give you functional limitations that you can't possibly ignore. Um, I, I've not seen too many athletes who can consistently run through that type of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be able to do it sometimes, but I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, other than that, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's nuanced. I think that if you're having pain that is disconcerting, that is um, really kind of just freaking you out, it's important to speak to your provider about that. Um, but otherwise I'm okay with pain. I'm okay with most of my athletes pushing through pain when they have decided
0: that that's okay for them to do. Good. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah. what are some of your messages that you want to get out to young athletes out there about sport and injury, just kind of in general? Yeah.
2: So I think that I want young young girls to know that they're enough Mm. and that their bodies are beautiful exactly as they are and that is like a huge you know undertaking
1: amen to that (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) yeah right Yeah. yeah and you know i think it's it's such a bummer because we're conditioned to think um that you know we're just conditioned to think that every part of our body is wrong in some way. And that we'll never achieve this like ideal state. Um, And we know when it comes to pain and injury, like pain and injury, they don't discriminate. They don't say, Oh, this person has the perfect ideal body. They're never going to get injured. That's, that's not a thing. um, Because all of our bodies are perfect and ideal. So that's, that's like my big one. The other thing that I think is really important for young girls to know is, or to learn, is to learn to trust themselves and to kind of figure out what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Um, this is something that I see now in adult women, but a lot of the women that I see, it seems to me, are conditioned to, be, to not believe their own instincts. So they'll say, you know, this didn't really feel right, but I just kept doing it because so-and-so told me to do it. And that leads down all kinds of paths that I think are simply unhelpful to performance. So I would love if we can get young girls at a young age to trust their feelings and trust their guts and know that their feelings aren't wrong or bad in any way, um, And that, yeah, to
1: trust themselves. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, such great messages. We're trying to figure out how to spread that too.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by yours truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as RED-S, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com to find out when the release date is set and when it'll be on Amazon. Bye queens. For additional
1: information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit4Queen. Hashtag
0: Fit4Queen.
1: And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit4Queen. Bye, queens.